Welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast with Jacob Ayers, providing actionable content to help you along your journey to financial freedom through real estate investing. As the premier asset class, real estate has helped ordinary people just like you amass fortunes. The benefits of passive income from real estate investing will allow you to live a life you want. And now your host, entrepreneur, real estate investor, and apartment deal syndicator, Jacob Ayers. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast, episode 149. Hi, I'm your host, Jacob Ayers. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Well, if you haven't yet, I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast by simply tapping subscribe on your iPhone or Android device, and you'll be notified of new episodes in the future. Well, today our guest is Karen Briscoe. Karen is a realtor, investor, author, and podcast host. Karen began her real estate investing career by developing residential lots in Dallas, Texas. Karen then moved to North Virginia, where she transitioned into residential sales and is the principal owner of HBC Group with Keller Williams. Well, today we're going to be discussing with Karen real estate investing trends with a perspective from a real estate agent. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. today. Welcome on the show, Karen Briscoe. Karen, hey, thanks so much for joining us. Well, Jacob, I always love to talk about real estate and talk about wealth creation through investing. So thanks for having me. Oh, man, I love it. Well, Karen, you hit the nail right on the head right off the bat. The name of our podcast is The Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom. So wealth and freedom are a couple big topics to us and something we're going to be discussing today. But first, before we dive into all that, will you tell the audience members a little bit about yourself how you got your start in real estate investing and just kind of take us up to your journey to this point. Well, my career began actually in commercial real estate. And so I was had that perspective, then moved over to residential in 2002. And the market was rising rapidly in the Washington, D.C., Northern Virginia metro area. I was predominantly working part-time. A few years in, one of the top agents in the nation, actually, number 10, asked me to become her partner. And when she passed away, I took over the business. That was in 2008. I don't know if you remember what happened in September 2008. (laughs) It wasn't a good time. I know that much. Right. So I I probably have too much muscle memory about the best of times and the worst of times because I did that in the Texas in the 80s and the savings and loan crisis and then watched it happen. And so I have to say I was a very cautious in terms of entering as an investor. So I liked being an agent, successful as an agent, made the Wall Street Journal top realtor team list 250 out of 2 million. So was making my money that way and became an accidental investor because (laughs) (laughs) this happens a lot of times with people. Uh, So our son graduated from college in Texas, moved back to the Northern Virginia area, couldn't find anything to rent. And he had a friend and I was like, well, you know, we, we've been thinking about buying an investment property. And so that's how it began. And I think that happens with a lot of people. So I like to tell that story because a lot of people think, oh, they're going to have this, you know, 
a lot of money come in, you know, it, it, to them and they're going to invest that way or they're going to, you know, see this really great deal. And But many, most people or many people in my experience that I work with a lot of investors, they get into it because something happens. And because of that, then they choose to become an investor. Now, I think that, you know, if I was going to go back and look, I'd go, wow, I should have done this a long time ago. So the first one has been our best, which often happens as well. Or it could happen the other way where it's hard, uh, you know, you, it's hard to repeat the first one, but also sometimes you, you get burned with the first one. So I've seen it work both ways. But anyhow, that's how we got started. And he and his friend were our first tenants, which is, you know, pretty automatic. Except they weren't that great at tenants because they both, they got these two dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying this is a great way to get into investing, but, um, but it, it does work for a lot of people. So I, I have clients who have you know, children going off to college and instead of paying rent to a other landlord, then they go buy something and then they, you know, house hack with their kids and the kids friends and there's lots of times people become accidental investors because property doesn't sell so they decide to keep it um i see also people become accidental investors because they move up and they go well we might as well you know it's paid off or it's at a point where you know let's keep that and so that's how a lot of people become accidental investors yeah, there certainly are many people out there that become accidental renter or sorry, accidental landlords, that is through yes. many different ways. And you know, you touched on something there that very first deal, maybe wasn't the best deal, maybe didn't have the best tenants and all that stuff. But I really like to say, you know, getting that first deal, like you iterated, was really important, you know, it kind of gets that ball rolling, or at least it starts that spark in your mind about, hey, I should have thought about this sooner, I should have thought about this avenue. So, you know, so you buy this very first property and then what's next for you? How did you just kind of like get into the investing side of things? Well, so I had this epiphany and I, I really, it's hard to believe that it took so long, <laughs> but I, I had this epiphany that I was able to buy a hundred percent of an investment of a property of real estate with only 20%. And I did it, you know, the traditional way. So 20% down and somebody else is paying the other 80%. And, you know, just not even considering cash flow and the numbers or anything, just based on that alone <laughs> makes real estate investing very attractive because my husband in his career in public policy on the Hill in D.C. and made a good salary year after year, funded 401k and stock, great stock portfolio. Never once did anybody say they would give us 100% of something for 20%. <laughs> Yeah, and that, that somebody else would pay the other 80%. Never once happened. Absolutely. That is the power of leverage and one big advantage of real estate investing. You know, you've got easy uh, leverage out there with banks, private lenders, public lenders. So yeah, it's very easy to control an asset for very little down. And even maybe with your very first rental property, you can even get higher leverage, right? So you can get that very low down payment, maybe that three and a half percent FHA loan. So really good alternative for maybe that first time home buyer or that first time investor, maybe going to live in a duplex, maybe triplex, fourplex. And so yeah, a really great option out there. So you kind of have this light bulb go off in your head that's, wow, I'm able to control 100% of an asset for a portion of the down payment or the down payment, the portion of the asset. So when, you know, what's next for you? What, what goes through your mind from there? 
Well, so then we started being more strategic about buying more. Now, we live in a very high cost of living housing area. And in my residential as an agent career, I've been involved in about 1,500 transactions. And so I have some fundamentals that I live by. And so I, I wanted to stick with those in terms of location being key, having a strong, great tenant pool, and they also took several factors in. Some cases would be access to Metro. Some cases would be the school pyramid would be preferred. Several aspects that I, I put as my key parameters. And so we started diverting other assets that we were using to build a portfolio and and at reallocating them to the, the the purchase of real estate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That really makes sense. And I like how you've set parameters around your investing criteria. Now you've mentioned some of these qualitative features like location, school districts, access to public transportation. What about any kind of quantitative metrics? Did you did you set those parameters early on? Like I want certain amount of cash flow, or I want certain amount of leverage, or anything like that. Actually, no, because <laughs> I, I found that it, that's really hard to do in a high cost of living real estate area. I, I think that, in, at least from what I've, many people that I've talked to, that's harder to do. The cash flow comes as rents rise and as appreciation occurs, in my experience. And so what I, I want to make people aware of in my experiences is that in, in some market areas, it's really hard to buy for cash flow. And so the other benefit that we experienced was we experienced the, the depreciation and the other tax benefits that created a cash flow that was advantageous to us, but it wasn't what most people traditionally talk about when they talk about cash flow and investing. Yeah, sure. And there are a lot of people out there that focus on cash flow. And that's certainly one aspect and a really great way in which you can make money from real estate investing. But there are other several avenues in which you uh, realize income, you know, like you mentioned, tax incentives, and appreciation and pr principal pay down by your tenant and all of these different things. So yeah, it's important to look at this the way real estate pays you as a whole and not just this one piece that people can kind of tend to get tied up in. Yes, and, and that's why I want to share that perspective because my focus, our focus, I put on because again, I, I'm looking at this from about 1,500 real estate transactions and the ones that, in my experience, perform the best over the long haul, which is what our portfolio is designed to do. We're not, it, we're not intending to flip. I'm not saying we wouldn't do that, but we're, that wasn't the intention going in was I wanted to make sure the fundamentals were so strong that no matter what, again, I have this muscle memory of market corrections. I wanted to have the, the fundamentals be so strong that we would still attract a good, strong tenant pool. Because the other thing that I find that I, I find investors um, miss out on or forget is vacancy and a non-quality tenant, because that's where I see people really have challenges with their investment properties on the residential side. That's where they, they get in trouble is because they, they'll take a tenant that isn't strong and in terms of financial or 
and I'm not saying never do it, but I'm just saying these are where I see the 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 challenges. Right, right. Particularly when the market corrects, and so you'll vacancy is really one of the to have a property. I, I explained this to landlords. I say if you price your rental at a market or maybe even marginally below market and you rent faster to a quality tenant, you will ultimately make more money in the long run. Because even if you overprice it by $100 a month, you lose one month of rent, you've lost $1,200, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think any real estate investor out there listening to this right now is nodding their head. Yes, vacancy is your highest expense. You know, turnovers are expensive. If you have a property vacant, you've got a loss of income. And usually on top of that, you have to go in and at least do cleaning, some minor repairs at the very least. And this can cost you significant, significant amounts of money. So yeah, having that quality tenant, maybe not, you know, a family with a dog or something like that. <laughs> or two, your son with a <laughs> friend and two dogs. Uh, so I, I, I'm not saying I don't take pets and I don't take families. I'm just saying that I go for the quality of the tenant. And so I don't go for making the most or, or receiving the highest rent, but I go for getting it rented as quickly as possible and keeping it rented as long as possible with the highest quality tenant. Yeah. Now, something you mentioned just a minute ago, and I want to dig into is you say you don't necessarily focus so much on the cash flow as you do look at the more quantity or sorry, qualitative things like we mentioned, you know, like that location, the proximity to public transportation, properties located in good school districts, places where people are going to want to live so you can decrease that vacancy. Now, sometimes when you hear people investing for appreciation, like it sounds kind of like this route you're taking, that can kind of seem a little speculative. But in your purview, you're actually not taking a speculative approach. You're taking a safe approach by buying investment properties in desirable areas. Right. And I'm not going for steals and deals. I'm going for good real estate. And so that is... It, sometimes that means, again, not getting the lowest price, even though we have bought well. And I always say that, you know, I mean, buying well is key, but I, I'm not going for the deals and steals because I find that when people, oftentimes when they do that, then they end up buying something that later has a challenging tenant pool or doesn't appreciate as strong. Because there's a reason why those key fundamentals of the public transportation aspects and employment aspects and the fundamentals like public schools, that type of thing, other you know, aspects that, that, carry, that carry a long-term benefit you're, you will appreciate more even on your rent. It's not just the appreciation of the asset, but your rent will rise faster too because, you know, everybody wants what everybody wants. So that means everybody doesn't want what everybody else doesn't want, right? So if you buy the ugliest, you know, location. Now, obviously looking for trends, you know, that is, that is something that investors also do is, in, in fact, starting out as a real estate developer, that is one of the things that you look for is market trends. So going to where the puck is going, like what Wayne Gretzky was saying, so going to where the market is going. And and I bought a little bit ahead of the market of a metro line that was coming out and into the the Northern Virginia suburbs. 
thinking that I was going to get more appreciation because of that. That hasn't happened. And so, but fundamentally still it will happen, right? Yeah, yeah. So I see what you're going for there. So now that you've set these criteria going forward in your investing journey, after you bought this single family house for your son and his roommate, what did your next investment opportunity look like from there and then going forward? Well, so the second one was in the location where the metro was coming. Okay. So I was like, okay, the market is moving there. It was a little bit less expensive because it wasn't inside the beltway. So I got a little bit better in, in terms of that. And I knew I had a good tenant pool because I knew the people who rented in there because we had a lot of the residents of the, the neighboring um, area was a lot of big expensive houses. And it seemed like the divorcees always went to this other area. So I was like, <laughs> this is interesting. I see this trend. And so I was like, this is going to have a long-term potential tenant pool. And I've been right about that. So <laughs> that one was a little bit, not necessarily schools, but I knew the Metro was coming there. Um, so then the third one was truly based on schools that I was like, okay, I want to be in that school district. Cause I know that school district is like one of the first ones that are off of people's tongues when they move into the area. So I wanted to be, now I paid a little bit more for it, but it since has appreciated more than any of them. Again, the demand creates that. And then the, the next one was another Metro driven because we have a lot of redevelopment going on around there. And so these fundamentals, if all the, the one true thing I will say is a good quality tenant pool. Um, so that is, is held true. And I've been pleased with that. I haven't had any challenging tenants. So you have to just remember where my perspective is coming from, because I've worked with clients that have selected tenants that later they regretted. And so that, <laughs> and that's why I probably have too much memory on that, but I'm a, and also with market corrections. So I probably am more cautious than most investors, but I, I want to share this story because I think that a lot of times people hear about investors and, and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, that's not my, my MO. That's not how I, I would want to operate. So I want to give them the, this other perspective. Yeah, no, that's great. And it's always good to hear different perspectives on people's real estate investing kind of mindsets. So yeah, awesome stuff there. So essentially, your bread and butter are these single family homes, and you're looking to invest in kinds of paths of progress in areas of development and areas of like gentrification, if you will. So you're really looking for, you know, what's going to be the next in demand? Where is my tenant pool, you know, a high quality where I can, you know, access them at where are jobs, where are schools. So yeah, all really important features. And then maybe a new one here or where are the divorcees moving to? So that's maybe a statistic I've never personally dug into. <laughs> well, it's just interesting because I would see where our clients would go. And so I was like, okay, well, why, what makes you want to go there? And then they would tell me and I go, that makes perfect sense. And so that led me to, okay, well then I want to be in that market. And I will share also when you say single family homes. So I begin because we're in a high cost of living area. I have focused on townhomes and there's several reasons why the residential single family that is detached is really too expensive to buy in these areas because I do find that there's, in terms of the return on investment for different price points, there is, in our area, is a cap, I believe, of a half a million. And 
I so because sometimes what people will say to me is, well, I will I'll sell my or I'll rent out my big house and when I downsize, and I'm like, yeah, but your return on investment for that million dollar property is not as good as if you had two five hundred thousand dollar ones or three three hundred fifty thousand dollar ones. So I, I'm sure other people are not in this high cost of living area, but I just want to share that that is one of the fundamentals that I found, and that what happens with single families in the areas that are five hundred thousand or below. A lot of them are being torn down with infill development, so you're competing against the builders, but the, the, the detached homes are not in very good condition, and so there's a lot of renovation, upkeep work required. So the townhomes, the good thing about that, those communities is the Homeowner Association normally takes care of much of the exterior maintenance, and it also kind of keeps everybody's properties looking at a certain level of respectability, if you will, <laughs> keeps the yeah. communities looking good. <laughs> Uh, so some people ask me about condos and I, I'm not saying I don't ever invest in condos because I have, and my son has as well. So it's not like I'm against condo ownership, but what happens a lot of times with condos is the condo fees, they eat up the appreciation and the risk for condo ownership as I'm sure you're aware is much higher because when the investor ratios get too high in a condo building, then can't get conventional financing and so then that changes the mix and so I I have bought condo investments but I do caution people to be sure they really understand the ratios and their numbers going in because of one you know assessment or significant condo bump fee bump could totally uh, throw off your numbers. Yeah, sure. And those HOA fees, yeah, sometimes the, the things they cover are great. And other times those HOA fees or condo fees just really eat into your cash flow and make the investment not worth it. So yeah, living here in Houston, Texas, we have many townhomes. So I definitely understand the concept there. It's easier to take a track of land and build several multi-story townhomes rather than building one single family home with a large yard. So you see a lot of that new development being those townhomes, especially here in the Houston market. Now in, you know, more urban areas, those are not so frequent. It's more of a single family kind of construction. So yeah, it's uh, just interesting to see different developments and see different investment criterias across the country. So really cool there. Now, switching gears here, Karen, I want to talk a little bit about your podcast and your book, and they're both based on this mantra of five minutes per day, or sorry, five minute success every day. So tell us a little bit about how you came to this realization of just, you know, doing a little bit every single day to progress towards your goals. Well, what I found is I have done a lot of coaching and training when it often happens when people achieve a high level of success and other people want to know how you do it, right? <laughs> and that's how you get to be guests on podcasts. But also I would be sharing with people my stories and they found them not just informative, but also inspiring. So sticky and memorable. And so I had many people tell me I should write a book, but I was like, well, there's lots of real estate books out there. I really don't think the, real, the world needs another real estate book, but what I found that I that there was a niche for was this idea of investing in your personal business development every day. Uh, many real estate agents and sales professionals and entrepreneurs, they tend to have this easily distractible <laughs> aspect to them. Some people call it the squirrel phenomenon or the, some people call it ADHD or the shoddy object syndrome, <laughs> right? And so I was like, if I provided a resource book that if you had if you invest in five minutes every day into 
your personal and business development, would you do it? And everybody said, yes. And so the idea is when you do something every day, first of all, you build habit and habit formation. People really do not decide their futures. They, they decide their habits and then their habits decide their futures, right? So you can, you can really look at someone and see what their future is going to look like by what they do today. And so it builds this habit of every day investing in yourself. But the benefits of it are that doing a little bit every day, you're more likely to remember it and you're more likely to be able to recall it and apply it when it's applicable. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. And I think uh, what you said there is, you know, your habits determine your future. And so you create the habits that are going to create the future you want. And I really like that. So I personally have this practice of waking up every morning and trying to do the same little morning routine and, you know, develop a habit and, you know, do the same things every morning and plug away at my goals every single day. So I really like the mantra that you've kind of hit hit on the head there. Now, one thing I want to dig into is you said you you focus on personal development every single day. So you are in a sense investing in yourself before you're investing in anything else. And I think that's a really important topic to pull away from there. You know, people look at their investing careers and should I invest in stocks or bonds or mutual funds or real estate or small businesses or oil and gas or art or precious metals or whatever it is. But before you ever do any of that, you've got to make the investment in yourself. So yeah, I really love what you've done there with that. Well, so Warren Buffett said, ultimately, there's one investment that supersedes all others, and that's the investment in yourself. Because if you, if you really think about it, Jacob, your ability to create value and, and wealth is really your greatest asset. Because even your ability to invest in anything else is first based on your ability. Yeah, and yeah, so that's why, truly, it is your greatest asset. And that was a epiphany for me because I used to look at it like when I would do personal or business development I'd be, I thought felt like I was being selfish and what I found is is that you know it's like the rising tide raises all boats everybody else's life around me improves no I absolutely love that so success in real estate five minutes every day are there any kind of actionable pieces of advice you have for what you can do in this five minutes every day well, so the way the book is structured, if you do Audible or you do the Kindle oh, yes. or the print, <laughs> that you'll get a takeaway every day. But they fall into key aspects because even though every day is different, there are fundamentals as there are for really any sales or entrepreneurship. And they've the first one is commit to get leads. So even as an investor, you have to commit to find leads, right? Who, what you're going to buy who you're going to work with, you know, lead generation, many times people get focused on the fact of, you know, sales prospect or whatever, but lead generation is also ideas and people you're going to want to be in business with. So commit to get leads. So the next component is consult a sell. So once you have that idea or you have the property or you have the, the lead, then you have to take it through the process to actually determine whether it's, you know, an investment that you want to do or, you know, work with the client to take them through the transaction or whatever it is, but there's always a process to get to actually the culmination of it, if you will, the transaction. And then what happens with many people is they, they get stuck kind of on a hamster wheel of only as good as their next deal or only as good as their next transaction or only as good as their next, you know, 
whatever. Yeah. And, and there are principles to connect to build and grow that create a scalable ongoing enterprise that creates leverage and systems. And that is, there's principles in there for that because that's how you create this wealth and freedom. That's how wealth and freedom really is created because people build something, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then as we talked about in terms of your morning practice, there's also success, thinking activities and vision to that encompass it all because you know, you have the vision and then you think about how to do it, but then you have to do the activities because it doesn't all just happen by itself, right? And so it's all of those. And so there's some things about that. So every day there's something to read and then a takeaway to put into action. And then you build this, this wealth of information and inspiration that then over time creates the higher level of, of success. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. And so all of this is stems from your book called Real Estate Success in Five Minutes a Day. But in all reality, it could be almost any kind of success. It could be real estate investing success, real estate sales success, even nothing related to real estate. It's just success in five minutes a day by investing in yourself and you know developing that vision and that action plan to go out there and create those habits that will eventually lead to your success. So absolutely love it. Now, one of these principles you touched on is lead generation. And I think as real estate investors, it's very important to be able to create this funnel of generating leads, analyzing deals, making offers, and then closing on deals. So I look at it like this big funnel, you know, you have to have this pipeline full of deals. So you've got to build that pipeline. You've got to analyze these deals. You've got to have some criteria, those quantitative and qualitative criteria we talked about earlier in the show. And then you've got to be able to analyze them, filter through them, make your offers so that you can buy a few deals. And it takes a lot of deals to look at before you buy one. So absolutely love that kind of lead generation piece you've worked into that. Yes. And everybody does lead generation. I, uh, I So the five minute success podcast, what I, where it came about was I had had so many wonderful conversations with other podcasters and webinars and people. And I found that really everybody is in the lead generation business. They may not think about it. I mean, dentists, they have patients, they have to do business development, even churches, you know, they have, they call that evangelism, right? I mean, they're lead generating. <laughs> and so if you look at it that way, you know, until you have a lead, you don't have anything to do. As an investor, until you have a lead, you don't have anything to do. As a, as a salesperson, until you have a lead or a person to work with, you don't have anything to do. And so it is a paradigm shift. It's a way to look at it in a new way. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. And I think you've uh, really got an important factor pulled out of there. So yeah, absolutely. Now, Karen, you're out there, you know, building success in five minutes a day in your own life. You've got a lot of stuff going on. You're an active real estate agent and active real estate investor. And you're not all doing this just for your health. So, you know, kind of tell us about what are your reasons why? And along with that, what are your goals as a real estate investor and a real estate agent? So you mentioned the morning routine. I am a fan of Hal Elrod. I don't know if you know Hal Elrod. Yes, the yes. yes. That's where my morning routine has derived. All right. Okay. You're another Hal Elrod. And Hal has endorsed the book and I'm part of his Quantum Link Mastermind. So one of the affirmations he has that I've incorporated is to love the life I have while I create the life of my dreams. And I added to that to co-create the life of my dreams because I, I want to do this in conjunction of the people that I care about, my husband, my children, my business partner, the people I'm in business with and life with. And so that is, that's my overarching reason 
um, I had an epiphany a few years ago, and this is where the book came out, but that I felt like I didn't have enough time or money to do what I wanted to do. I running a very successful team, like I said, top agent in the in the country and with my company and with my team and and but I felt like I wasn't doing what I wanted to do and I, I had this epiphany that that it came out of reading a book called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks and he has another book coming out called The Joy of Genius. That time is really a, a human construct. The idea to say you don't have enough time really means you say you don't want to do it because particularly if you're self-employed and entrepreneur, it's all my time, right? And I, he talks about the difference between the scarcity mentality of Newton and the abundance mentality of Einstein. And Einstein said, one minute sitting on hot stove or doing what you don't want to do feels like an hour. And an hour with your beloved or doing what you love to do goes by like a minute, right? It flies by. And, and that was, that was my huge epiphany. Cause I was like, well, time is really your greatest resource because it goes away. Yes. <laughs> and, and I'm like, I should be only doing the things I want to do. And now obviously it didn't just happen overnight. So back to creating the life of my dreams while I love the life I have, but putting that into place. And so that's, that's what I, I live for. And, and the idea of, creating wealth is to to fund that life right because wealth is only a value if it it supplies what it it's meant to to me for me it's it's the freedom that's in your podcast title the real estate way to wealth and freedom so so real estate is the means but the end is the wealth and freedom and and the freedom is the ability to do what you want to do right so and and then what i would say one of the other reasons why particularly with the book and the podcast is in achieving at a high level and success, what I found is, is that it's even more meaningful when you help other people achieve at a higher level. And that's where I, I see my, my future going. Cause you, you mentioned future goals. I'd say the future is what I've discovered. I want to share that message with other people. Like I'm, I'm sure you've heard the proverb of, you know, you throw a pebble into water and then it, it ripples out. Well, I want to be the pebble. I want to be the person that makes that kind of impact that ripples out and, and helps other people achieve at a higher level as well. Yeah, no, I love that, Karen. That's really awesome stuff. Yeah. So I just, I think that's all great. And, you know, being able to help other people is, is crucial and it's a very important thing. Now, going back to that wealth and freedom we kind of touched on, you know, lots of people don't figure out that freedom, but they work all of their lives and develop all of this wealth, but they don't necessarily set themselves up to have the freedom to enjoy that wealth. And I think real estate investors in particular are easily able to fall into this trap of, you know, constantly, you know, going for the next deal and building stuff and constantly growing and worrying about the next deal. But you got to take a minute and kind of be able to enjoy that lifestyle you're creating now. So I really love that affirmation you've kind of tweaked from Hal Elrod Savers. So yeah, I really love that. And also just to have no regrets, because I think that that's, if you, if you talk to people, I'm, I'm on the other side of, of 50, almost 60. And I think about the things that I look back and I remember, and I'm like, I want more of those. I want more of hiking Machu Picchu with my son. And I want more of, you know, being with my husband, you know, biking through Italy. And I, I want more of 
time spent with family and friends. And, and that is the driver for me. That's what drives me is that the more I create the life of my dreams, then the more I enjoy the life I I'm living right now, instead of waiting to do it later, because I think many people wait and then they get to later and later either doesn't come or something happens. And, and I, I want to live a life where I, I know I, I left it all. I did it all. <laughs> no regrets. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So great. Well, Karen, every episode we wrap up with the lightning round. It's just a series of questions we ask every one of our guests. Are you up for it? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Well, the very first question we've got for you is what was your biggest hurdle getting started investing in real estate? And then what did you do to overcome that? Well, I shared how I got into the first one. And I think the perception for me was that I had lived through the savings and loan crisis and I saw people that lost a lot. And so that was, I had this muscle memory, if you will, of, you know, what can happen. And so that was what was, was holding me back. And that's why I'm glad that I had this opportunity come to us because it helped shift my thinking and that's led to this other, you know, the, the opportunity. And, and now that has been our biggest wealth creator. Even all those years of my decades of my husband and working in, in a corporate setting, <laughs> 401k thing, we've created more wealth with, wealth with real estate than we did with the other which is a more traditional means of creating wealth. Yeah, right. Awesome. Well, Karen, do you have a personal habit that contributes to your success? Well, same as yours, the Miracle Morning, because that is a key aspect to investing in myself first. And, you know, as the start the day, then the, the rest of the day follows. And, and it really has had a huge impact on not just myself, but the other people in my life. Yeah, I love it. Well, Karen, do you have an online resource that you find valuable in your day-to-day? I love Audible. I love to, I mean, I'm still a paper book reader and a Kindle reader, but the Audible has really been a game changer because you just have so access to so much. And between Audible and podcasts, I mean, practically every minute of the day you can be using and, you know, contributing to learning from other people because there's so much great information out there. So I would say those two podcasts and audible. Yeah. Such great resources there. Audible, really great. You can find almost anything like you mentioned in between the combination of using audible and podcast. Anytime I'm exercising, running, commuting, doing chores around the house, whatever it is, anytime most people are listening to music, I'm listening to audible or a podcast. So yeah, great stuff there. And for our listeners who haven't yet downloaded Audible, you've got a link in the show notes where you can go and download Audible and have your very first audiobook free. So if you haven't done that, take advantage of that opportunity. Well, Karen, next question, what book would you recommend to the listeners and why? Well, you already mentioned Miracle Morning, which I think is a fantastic book, but The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, and he just came out with The Joy of Genius. It really was a light bulb because I realized that these uh, limiting beliefs of mine about time was a truly myself was stopping me. And so when I stopped getting in my own way, <laughs> then everything else started to come into place of meeting Hal Elrod and these kind of things. And so I realized that the impact that book had on me, I would recommend that everybody 
uh, pick up that if that's one of the ones you want to get off Audible. But we also have Real Estate Success in Five Minutes a Day on Audible as well. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I love it. Well, Karen, wrapping up, very last question. If you were to give advice to your 20-year-old self to get started investing in real estate, what would that be? There's this proverb that when's the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago, right? Yes. <laughs> and the next best time is now. And I would say the same thing about real estate. So the best time to invest in real estate was 20 years ago. And the next best time is now. So buy, for me, I would say buy by the fundamentals and then just plan to have a, a good, strong hold strategy. Yeah, I love it. Well, Karen, it's been a really great conversation. I've enjoyed speaking with you and learning about your philosophy on investing and seeing how you entered the real estate investing world, really unique paths there. So it's been a lot of fun. As we're wrapping up here, is there any parting piece of advice you'd like to leave with our audience members? Well, if you could get up the courage to begin, you have the courage to succeed. And, and if I can do it, you can too. Wow, really powerful. And I love that. Absolutely. Well, Karen, hey, it's been really fun having you on. For the audience members that would like to learn more about you, connect with you, maybe get to find your podcast or that book, can you tell us exactly where they can find you at? It is the number five minute success. And pretty much you can find it anywhere. You have the website, you have Facebook group, you have Instagram, the podcast is on all everywhere you can get podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast. And also just reach out to me because I would love to hear from your community. And please let me know how I could be of service and help. Yeah, absolutely. So once again, that's the five minute success podcast. You can find that on iTunes, anywhere else you can find podcasts like you're listening to this one now. And that's also real estate success in five minutes a day. That's Karen's latest book where you can find that on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, etc. anywhere you can find books. So Karen, hey, thanks so much for coming on the show today. It's been a lot of fun. Look forward to talking with you in the future. Sounds good. Here's to your success, Jacob. Oh, thank you so much, Karen. All right, that wraps up this week's episode with our guest, Karen Briscoe. Well, hey, I hope you're getting great content from these podcasts. If you like what you've heard, please go over and leave a rating and review on whichever platform you're listening on. For more information, resources, and to connect with me, visit www.jacobairs.com. Till next week, engineer the lifestyle you want. You've been listening to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast, providing you actionable content to build your real estate empire. Nothing on this show should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for personal advice. The opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have a potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom, LLC, exclusively.